memorize, to utilize, and we're saying it together so that we can pray it together. Let's say it and say it with heartfelt meaning. Our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. 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 Excellent. You're doing so well. If you have your Bibles, and I hope you do, because we're going to be in them big time in this lesson, turn to Matthew 16. Turn to Matthew 16, 6, 16, 610. How about that? Matthew 610. And let's pick it up in verse 8. We'll read 8 through 10 just to get a little uh, context again for our study this morning. Jesus is speaking on the, at, uh, on the mount and doing what's called the Sermon on the Mount. He says in verse 8, So do not be like them, for your Father knows what you have need of before you ask Him. Pray then in this way, Our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, period. Your kingdom come. That's what we're going to look at. Last week's lesson was hallowed be your name, and that should be our number one priority in life, the fame of his name. This week's lesson is your kingdom come. That should be our number one pursuit. And we're looking at three, the first three requests in the Lord's Prayer. And if I was going to sum up these first three requests, and they are grouped together, your glory is our priority. Your glory is our priority. And we said that on earth as it is in heaven comes after the third request of your will be done, but it really is linked with all three of these, and you're going to see that this morning. And so last week we said if we're really going to pray your name be holy, we're going to declare His heavenly character as it is in heaven, We're going to pray for his earthly reputation to spread that what is true in heaven would be true on earth. And we would practice that kind of holiness in our own lives because we are sons and daughters of the king. The second request, your kingdom come, we want to ask two questions this morning. And here's what we're asking. How does the second petition relate to the first And what are the implications? And so let's look at this. Your kingdom come. How does the second heart cry relate to the first? How does the second heart cry relate to the first? I want to give you two ways that they are connected. The first is this. Your kingdom come is the ultimate way his name will be made holy in all the earth. It's the number one way. His name, his reputation on earth to be matched, his character in heaven, will not ever happen completely and perfectly until his kingdom come. If you want a good book on the Lord's Prayer, Albert Albert Muller has written one, and here's what he says. The second petition, your kingdom come, builds on the first by showing us how God's name is hallowed in the world. How does God make his name holy on earth as it is in heaven. We saw four ways last week. But here, ultimately, the way God makes his name holy on earth, he causes his kingdom to come. Above above all else, he causes his kingdom to come. Holy be your name means your kingdom come. So turn your Bibles to the book of Revelation. And I just want you to see this. If you want to see the proof of this, it's all in the book of Revelation. So turn to Revelation 11 and we're going to read some verses. Okay, we're just going to read and let the Bible remind us how does his, how does his name become holy on earth as it is in heaven? It's because the kingdom 
come. So Revelation 11, let's begin there. And let's read uh, at verse 15. So follow along, verse 15. The kingdom of the world has become the kingdom of our Lord and of His Christ. And He will reign forever and ever. And the 24 elders who sit on their thrones before God fell on their faces and worshiped God saying, We give you, and by the way, this is praise, prayer, here it is. We give you thanks, O Lord God, the Almighty, who are and who were, because you have taken your great power and have begun to reign. And the nations were enraged and your wrath and the... And, and your wrath came, and the time came for the dead to be judged, and the time to reward your bondservants, the prophets, and the saints, and those who fear your name, the small and the great, and to destroy those who destroy the earth. Turn over to chapter 15. Chapter 15, beginning in verse 1. This is all through Revelation. This is where all of history is headed. Revelation 15:1. Then I saw another sign in heaven, great and marvelous, seven angels who had seven plagues, which are the last, because in them the wrath of God is finished. And I saw something like a sea of glass mixed with fire. And those who had been victorious over the beast and his image and the number of his name, standing on the sea of glass, holding harps of God. And they sang the song of Moses, the bondservant of God, and the song of the Lamb, saying, here's praise and prayer, great and marvelous are your works, O Lord God, the Almighty. Righteous and true are your ways, King of the nations. Who will not fear, O Lord? And notice, glorify your name. For you alone are holy. Hallowed be your name has become a reality. For all the nations will come and worship before you. For your righteous acts have been revealed. After these things I looked. And the temple of the tabernacle of the testimony in heaven was open. The presence of God is about to come on the earth through his son. Turn to Revelation 19. Revelation 19, 1. Here's how the kingdom comes. Here's how his name will be made holy in all the earth. Revelation 19, 1. After all these things, I heard something like a loud voice of a great multitude in heaven saying, Hallelujah, salvation and glory and power belong to our God. Sounds like the ending of the Lord's prayer, does it not? And a voice came from the throne saying, Give praise to our God, all you his bondservants, you who fear him, the small and the great. Then I heard something like the voice of a great multitude, like the sound of many waters, and like the sound of mighty peals of thunder saying, Hallelujah, which means praise Yahweh, for the Lord our God, the Almighty, what? reigns drop down to verse 11 this is why he reigns verse 11 and i saw heaven opened and behold a white horse and he who sat on it is called faithful and true and in righteousness he judges and wages war his eyes are a flame of fire and on his head are many diadems crowns and he has a name written on him which no one knows except himself for he is sovereign and he is Lord, and no one uses his name to make him do anything. Verse 13, he is clothed with a robe dipped in blood, and his name is called the Word of God. And the armies which are in heaven, clothed in fine linen, white and clean, were following him on white horses. And from his mouth comes a sharp sword, so that with it, He may strike down the nations, and he will rule them with a rod of iron. And he treads the winepress of the fierce wrath of God, the Almighty. And on his robe and on his thigh, he has a name written, King of Kings 
and Lord of Lords. Turn over to chapter 20. Chapter 20, verse 4, and continues. What happens as a result of Christ's coming? Revelation 20, verse 4. Then I saw thrones, and they sat on them, and judgment was giving to, given to them. And I saw the souls of those who had been beheaded because of their testimony of Jesus. And by the way, we know in the news that that continues in our very day today. They were beheaded because of the testimony of Jesus and because of the word of God. And those who had not worshipped the beast or his image and who had not received the mark on their forehead or on their hands. And they came to life and they reigned with Christ for a thousand years. The rest of the dead did not come to life until the thousand years were completed. This is the first resurrection. Blessed and holy is the one who has a part in the first resurrection. Over these, the second death has no power, but they will be priests of God and of Christ and will reign with him for a thousand years. Chapter 21, verse 1. Chapter 21, the thousand-year reign of the kingdom results in the new creation. Look at Revelation 2. 21 verse 1 Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth for the first heaven and the first earth passed away and there is no longer any sea and I saw the holy city new Jerusalem coming down out of heaven from God made ready as a bride adorned for her husband and I heard a loud voice a lot of yelling in heaven a loud voice from the throne saying behold the tabernacle of God is among men, and he will dwell among them, and they shall be his people, and God himself will be among them. And he will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and there will no longer be any death, and there will no longer be any mourning or crying, that's interesting, or pain. And the first things have passed away. I'm sorry, I'm scaring Sylvie with the Word of God. Let's look at Revelation 22, 3 through 4. No, she's just hungry. Okay, Revelation 22, 3 through 4. Knows that. There will no longer be any curse in the throne of God, and the Lamb will be in it, and His bondservants will serve Him, and they will see His face, and His name will be on their foreheads, and there will no longer be any night, and they will not have any need of the light of a lamp, nor the light of the sun, because the Lord God will illumine them, and they will reign forever and ever. Woo! Hey! With what's going on in your life, in our nation, in this world, these are the passages we need to be reading. Amen? This is reality. Okay? This is reality. This is not fake news. This is not anything except what's coming. So here's the reality. His name be holy on earth as it is in heaven. His name will be holy on earth as it is in heaven when his kingdom comes on earth as it is in heaven. That's the reality. His name will be holy when his kingdom comes on earth as it is in heaven. As I read through those passages, two things. Kingdom comes from heaven to earth. The earth doesn't bring the kingdom. Second thing, did you see how name, 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 the great name of God was repeated through there. So here's the second reality of how these two uh, petitions, these two heart cries relate. Your kingdom come is the ultimate pursuit of everyone whose priority is the fame of his name. So what do I mean by that? If you're going to pray, hallowed be your name, then you need to pray, your kingdom come. And if hallowed be, if, if kingdom come, uh, it, 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 the kingdom coming should be your ultimate pursuit if his fame of his name is your ultimate priority. Are you with me? If you want to spread the fame of his name, then you must make pursuing his kingdom your top pursuit in life. 
Notice again what Albert Moeller says in his great little book, and it's a very short little book. The Lord's Prayer is for revolutionaries, for men and women who want to see the kingdoms of this world give way to the kingdom of our Lord. So let me illustrate it this way. Have you ever seen those companies, not so much anymore, but uh, of companies where uh, it's a father and son business, and they're all often called Jones and Sons or Smith and Sons. I don't know why. It's, I guess it could be Smith and Daughters, too. But you know what I'm talking about. It's heart desire of those fathers that their sons follow in their footsteps. And how do they do that? By honoring the family name with all their heart. And by furthering the family business with all of their lives. So here's the reality. If God is our Father in heaven, then two things should be true of us this morning. Our highest priority will be to honor the Father's name by treating it as holy. If God is our Father in heaven, our highest priority is to honor the Father's name. And it's right here in the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 5.48. Therefore, you shall be perfect just as your Father in heaven is perfect. Or Peter, in 1 Peter 1.15, But as he who has called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct, because it is written, Be holy, for I am holy. Secondly, our greatest pursuit will be to expand, to expand the Father's business by hastening the coming of His kingdom. So if God is your Father in heaven, and you are his sons and daughters, our highest priority is to honor that name, and our greatest pursuit is to expand, to expand the Father's business by hastening. We don't bring, listen, we don't bring in his kingdom, but we can hasten the coming of his kingdom. Are you with me? And you know how we do that? We do it by proclaiming that the king has come and calling lost people into his kingdom. Matthew 6.33. Why am I using greatest pursuit? Listen to Matthew 6.33. Right here in the Sermon on the Mount. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. Or listen to Luke 12. We don't often read Luke's parallel passage. Listen to Luke 12, 31 through 32. But seek the kingdom of God and all these things shall be added to you. Do not fear little flock for it is your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Do not fear little flock. We're not bringing in the kingdom folks. We're always going to be outnumbered. We're going to be outgunned. We're going to be outfinanced. We are a little flock of sheep surrounded by wolves. But do not fear. Do not isolate. Do not be filled with political angst and hatred. Do not think like the world thinks and get so involved in this and that, and in anxiety and fear and isolation. Do not fear, little flock, for it is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Therefore, what should we pray? Your kingdom come. Your kingdom come. Give it to us. Give it to us now. Here's the bottom line. You pray the first request, Praying the first request is to pray the second request. And that's what we should be doing. But guess what? You can't pray about what you don't understand. So here's the second point. What are the implications of his kingdom coming? What are the implications? I'm going to give you four. And we're going to be, I mean, this is the big story of the Bible here. Okay, we're really going to dig in and here we go. So, Let's, let's think about this. The first implication is for God's program. When you pray, your kingdom come, you need to understand that God's program for making his name holy on earth as it is in heaven 
is the coming of his kingdom. Kingdom. So let's ask some basic questions. What is a kingdom? What is a kingdom? So without just looking up here and just popcorn answers, what do you have to have to have a kingdom? You got to have a king. I mean, that's that's no brainer. Number one. What else do you have to? What what else do you have to have? Subjects. Subjects. Number two. No brainer. You know, I, I'm a king. Well, where's your subjects? Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, I'm 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 getting them. Okay. Subjects. What else do you got to have? Land. For a kingdom, you got to have a land, a realm. What did you say? Yeah, land, yeah, land realm. You got to have a realm. So where's your kingdom? Right. Who's the king? Where's your subjects? Where's your realm? But what else? One fourth, one one a fourth really necessity to have a kingdom. We already said subjects. Uh, resources, yeah, and and it's kind of along that you got to have the ability to rule. Okay, so you got to have wealth. You got to have power. You got to have the ability to rule. Okay, because I can say I'm king, but if I can't make anything happen, then. Yeah, I can have subjects, and they're saying, hey, make something happen. Okay, so you got to have that. So notice, look at, look at here you have. you got to have a ruler who has the ability to rule, who rules over his subjects and over the realm. And so all I'm saying to you is, biblically, the kingdom doesn't come on earth until all four are on earth. So... Right now, as we're going to see, we have a king, but is he on earth? No, and the kingdom is not here yet. Uh, does, he have, does he have the authority to rule? Yeah, right here in the book of Matthew, all authority on heaven and in earth has been given to me, but is it all being exercised right now on earth? No, no, no. We wouldn't be having a war. We wouldn't have bloody, brutal riots over a soccer game in Mexico that happened over the weekend. Does he have subjects? Are they here? Yeah. Are all of them down here? No. And then the realm. He has all authority in heaven and on earth. But is this earth still under the power of Satan and the darkness of the prince of the power of the air? So when we pray... Your kingdom come. We're praying for all of this to be on earth as it is in heaven. Does that make sense? Let's take a look and see if it's biblical. What is God's kingdom and what, how will he cause it to come? What is God's kingdom and how will he cause it to come? Uh, one scholar, John Bright, wrote a, wrote a book on the kingdom of God. And here's what he said. The concept of the kingdom of God involves, in a real sense, the total message of the Bible. The Bible is one book. Had we to give that book a title, we might with justice call it the book of the coming kingdom. That is, indeed, its central theme everywhere. And uh, coming out of COVID, we did LifeBridge Institute, God's Big Story, 10 weeks, we went through that. I, you can still take that course now. You can download the video. You can download the course. You can take this course. But here's a little mini understanding of it. There's three key words when you think of kingdom. Eternal kingdom, promise kingdom, and coming kingdom. Okay? Let's look at the eternal kingdom. The eternal kingdom is in heaven. Now listen to this. Every time the windows of heaven are opened and the curtains are pulled back, God Almighty is sitting on his throne and all of heaven is saying, Holy, holy, holy. Every time. If, you, if, we, if right now, if we were transported to heaven, that's what we'd see. God would be on his throne. Holy, holy, holy would be his name. 2,000 years ago. That's what was going on in heaven. If the Lord delays 2,000 years more, that is what's going on. I don't care. And we, it doesn't matter what's happening on this earth. It doesn't shake the throne of God. And it doesn't hinder his holiness. That's what you want to understand about the eternal kingdom. Listen to some of these verses. Psalm 145, 13. His eternal kingdom is continual. 
Your kingdom is, ever, is an everlasting kingdom, and your dominion endures throughout all generations. Psalm 103, verse 19, it's a universal kingdom. The Lord has established His throne in heaven, and His kingdom rules over all. 1 Chronicles 29, 11, Yours, O Lord, is the greatness, the power, and the glory. Sounds like the end of the Lord's Prayer. The victory and the majority, and, uh, I'm sorry, the vic- he does have the majority, but the victory and the majesty. For all that is in heaven and in earth is yours. Yours is the kingdom, O Lord. You are exalted as head over all. Both riches and honor come from you, and you reign over all. There's the riches idea uh, that you were talking about. Uh, Riches and honor are yours, and you reign over all. In your hand is power and might. In your hand it is to make great and to give strength to all. Psalm 135, 6, the eternal kingdom is providential. Whatever the Lord pleases, He does in heaven and in earth, in the seas and in all the deep places. He causes the vapors to ascend from the ends of the earth. He makes lightning for the rain. He brings the wind out of His treasures. He destroyed the firstborn of Egypt, both man and beast. He sent signs and wonders into the midst of you, O Egypt, upon Pharaoh and all his servants. He defeated many nations and slew mighty kings. The outcome of this war in Europe is in the hands of the Lord. It's not in the Russian president. It's not in the Ukrainian president. It's not in the nations supplying weapons. It's in the hands of the Lord. The kingdom of God will never come to earth apart from the eternal kingdom. And you know what's amazing about this eternal kingdom in heaven? There was a created being by the, who became Satan, a created angel who rebelled against that and was cast out. And ever since that time when Satan rebelled and was cast out and the angels that became, became demons who followed him, there's been two kingdoms, God's kingdom and the devil's kingdom. And yet God's kingdom always, always rules over the devil's kingdom. So that's the eternal kingdom. Let's look at the promised kingdom. The promised kingdom on earth. And that promised kingdom is progressively revealed in the scriptures. So let me give you a quick flyover. Okay? So this is ten weeks of God's big story squeezed into, Lord willing, ten minutes. Let's look at this. The promised kingdom progressively revealed. We start in the beginning. Blessed at creation. In Genesis 1 and 2... We see the kingdom pattern revealed. God creates all things, the ultimate realm, and he creates man and woman to rule over that realm under him and over all of creation. Genesis 1, 26 through 28. Then God said, let us make man in our image according to our likeness. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the air and over the cattle and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. And so God created them, male and female. Yesterday morning, we got 30 women who are registered to study what a true woman is. And while that was going on, our leadership council was studying about male and female roles in ministry. Why? Because this is a part of his kingdom pattern. That male and female, with man as the leader and the initiator, the woman as the responder and the helper and the partner. And together, under God, in that pattern, we rule over creation. Except, sadly, Genesis 3 happened, didn't it? And it was cursed at the fall. It was cursed. The kingdom perished with the cursing at the fall. Man and woman rebel. Eve is deceived. Adam directly disobeys and as the head. All that under, is under him falls with him. All of creation is now cursed. And yet in that cursing, there is a kingdom promise. Listen to Genesis 3.15. 
God says, I will put enmity between you and the woman, speaking to the serpent, the enemy, the devil, the usurper. You and the woman. And between your seed and her seed, he shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. There in that promise, God promises a coming king. A king who would be a head crusher against God's enemy, the devil. But how would he crush that head? He would crush that head through suffering and death. For as he crushes the head, he is bit by the heel biter. And that poisonous snake will kill the head crusher. And yet, that head crusher will die and resurrect and have ultimate victory. So we see a pattern from the very beginning. Victory doesn't come from puffing up and powering up. Victory comes through suffering. Are you suffering? That's not outside of God's plan. I'm not talking about sin for sin. I'm talking about if you're just going you're doing everything right as far as you can know and do and life stinks right now, that's how the kingdom comes. The savior went through it, you and I will go through it. The devil will bite, but through Christ we crush. And one day it will be fully crushed. What a promise. What a promise. And yet, you know what humanity did? We kept rebelling. And so Genesis 4 to Genesis 11, all humanity does is increase their rebellion, increase in manifesting their depravity. It's getting worse, folks, and it's going to get worse because God said it would before the kingdom would come. But God made a promise, and so he promised the kingdom to one man. Didn't deserve it. Abraham was a moon-worshipping pagan, but God made a promise to him in, in Genesis 12 and made a covenant with him. And you know what he said to him? He said, look, I'm going to make your name great. I'm going to make your name great for the glory of my name. And I'm going to give you a land, realm, and I'm going to give you a people, subjects, and I'm going to give you the blessing of my presence. The kingdom is promised through Abraham and the people of Israel. But you know the story so well. They blew it. They rebelled, right? And yet God keeps promising. And so he makes a covenant with one of Abraham's descendants, David, King David. And here's what he says to David in 2 Samuel 7. When your days are fulfilled and you rest with your fathers. By the way, did David rule sinlessly? Huh. No, he wasn't the promised seed. He wasn't the head crusher. He got bit and he didn't crush. But here's what God said anyway in His grace. I will set up your seed after you who will come from your body and I will establish His kingdom and He shall build a house for My name. There's the name again. And I will establish the throne of His kingdom forever. I will be His Father and He shall be My Son. Wow, we just have the Lord's Prayer all summarized in that. How... Our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come. This has been God's kingdom plan all along. I will be his father and he shall be my son. If he commits iniquity, I will chasten him with the rod of men and with the blows of the sons of men. But, but my mercy shall not depart from him as I took it from Saul, whom I removed from before you in your house and your kingdom shall be established forever before your your throne shall be established forever. And with those promises, we go through the prophets in the Old Testament and we come to the Gospels. And finally, the seed that was promised has come. And it was offered by Christ. The kingdom was offered by Christ and rejected by Israel at his first coming. So here's these promises 
and the people keep screwing up and God keeps being faithful. And finally, he sends the promised seed in the God-man, Jesus Christ. And the king says, repent, for the kingdom is near. Why? Because the king is here. It's me. You don't look like a king. Oh, but remember, suffering comes before sovereignty. Yeah, but we don't want that kind of king. We want power. We want wealth. We want glory. We want political victory. But the king is here. It's me. And the nation rejects him. They crucify him. And it's not just the Jewish nation. All the Gentile nations represented by Rome, they crucify the king. The king is offered to the nation. It's right here in the book of Matthew, Matthew 4, 17. From that time, Jesus began to preach and say, repent for the kingdom is at hand. What he's literally saying is the kingdom is near because me, the king, is here. And the king is rejected by the nation. Matthew 21, 43. Therefore, I say to you, the kingdom of God will be taken from you and given to a nation bearing its fruit. Matthew 23, Jesus is grieved, lament, he laments, and he wails. O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the one who kills the prophets and stones those who are sent to her, how often I wanted to gather your children together as a hen gathers her chicks under her wings. But you were not willing. See, Your house is left desolate to you. For I say to you, you shall see me no more until you say, Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. So what he says is, Israel, I'm rejecting you, but not forever. But I will reject you until you repent and say, Blessed is he, Jesus of Nazareth, who comes in the name of the Lord. But the kingdom is not put on hold. Why? Because it's received by the church in a mystery form. It is received by the church in the mystery form. What do I mean by that? I mean this. The king is here and yet he ascended and he's reigning but his kingdom is not here and the king is up there and his subjects some from the remnant of israel many from the nations of the world they're down here so we're down here and he's up there the old testament didn't anticipate that it was always going to be together Mystery, unrevealed in the Old Testament. King up here, subjects down here, realm (laughs) not controlled, and yet all authority over heaven and earth. Do you realize that mystery is why we have a prosperity gospel? Because they want to bring it down, they want to bring it in before it has really come. And that's why we have people trying to build a Christian kingdom on the planet through an organizational or religious church because we don't understand the mystery. And you realize that's why some good Christian people, people I read, people I love, people that are going to be in the kingdom, say that there is no future for Israel because they don't understand the mystery. Christ says, You're rejected until you say, and he's speaking to the nation, until you say, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And you realize uh, in Zechariah that is promised that when they see him come, they'll say, oh, the one whom we pierced. It'll be like the ultimate we blew it moment. Oh, 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 no. But when they repent, the nation will be saved and the kingdom will come. Number three, the coming kingdom on earth as it is in heaven. The coming kingdom on earth as it is in heaven. So you got the eternal kingdom in heaven. 
You got the, the, the promised kingdom being revealed on earth and the two come together when the heaven, the kingdom, eternal kingdom comes to reign on the earth. Two things will happen. Number one, the kingdom will be restored to Israel at his second coming for a thousand years. That's what millennium means, a thousand years. We read that in Revelation 20. Revelation 19, Christ comes. Revelation 20, a thousand-year reign. Revelation 21 and 22, new creation, new heavens, and new earth. The, the, the kingdom will be realized when Christ the King comes, Israel as a nation repents, and they are saved, and the kingdom is restored. And then number two, number two, the kingdom is fulfilled for all believers and nations after the final judgment in the new creation forever. What's the purpose of a thousand years on a fallen earth? It's so that the true king can reign on the broken earth. And his reign on the broken earth brings in the new creation. Why have a thousand years? So that every single promise made to Abraham and his seed will be fulfilled on earth as it was promised from heaven. Now there's a lot of details that I can't explain. Guess what? No position can explain all the details. Are you with me? So, drives me nuts that I can't tie it all together, but guess what? Nobody can. I'm teaching this because we believe this ties most of the details together. And because of Romans 9 through 11, where Paul says God has not broken his promises to the people of Israel. And you know what happens? You know what he says in Romans 9 through 11? He says, when this happens, that Israel repents. Here's what he says. Here's what he says in Romans 9 through 11. If the nations have been this blessed with their rejection. Okay, so the nation rejects and the Great Commission is thrown wide open. Tom Gritz in England. Right? All our missionaries. If Israel's rejection brought this kind of blessing to the nations of the world. What's going to happen when Israel repents and the kingdom is restored? It's going to get really exciting. New creation, new heavens, new earth. Christ must come. Israel must repent. But then the nations and the world is all going to be made right. Can we say amen to that? This is what you're praying for when you say your kingdom come. This. You say, Chris, do I have to remember all that? Well, it would help. (laughs) That's why you have lesson notes. Okay. Did I know this? However many, 40, it's getting scary. 50 years ago when I got, no, no. I didn't even know to pray. The Lord's Prayer. But you know now, it should change your prayer. It should change your prayer. So, that's the implications for God's program. Move on. Implications for biblical prophecy. I've already pretty much said this, but let me give you two points. Implications for biblical prophecy. And here's the two points. Go ahead and put them up there, Audra. The kingdom has not yet come on earth as it is in heaven. Big clue, that's why we're still praying your kingdom come. Okay, if the kingdom had already come in all that he had promised, we wouldn't be having, we'd skip this. Well, we'd skip everything else in the Lord's Prayer. Number two, we live in the now not yet of the kingdom. Why is that? Because the king has come and yet he's coming again. Remember our Advent greeting? Let's see if we remember Christ has come. He is coming again. Carmen, lead him. Christ has come. Christ has come. That's why we live in the now, not yet. Okay? Many, look at your notes. Many kingdom prophecies have now been partially fulfilled in the first coming of the king 
and his mystery people, the church, Jew and Gentile as one. Many kingdom prophecies have not yet been fully fulfilled in the second coming of the king for his chosen people, Israel. And let me emphasize there, we are all one people, but within the one people, there are distinct nations. We see that in Revelation. We are one humanity, and yet there are gender distinctions within the one humanity. There is one people of God under Christ, but within that people of God in the future, there will be nations on into eternity. And so there is a place for Israel, a prime place. Number two, or three, implications for daily prayer. Implications for daily prayer. This is just the coolest thing. I don't know how long ago I saw it, but I have never forgotten it. In Revel- or Let me give you your, your, your thing. Well, first of all, the principle. We heard this last week. Your kingdom come is not just a declaration. It's a petition. So every one of these petitions is something we declare and then we pray. Christ has come. Christ has come. There's the declaration. What's the petition? Now, what do we pray? Your kingdom come. Okay, it's a petition. Now, our prayers advance God's kingdom. God, our prayers advance God's kingdom program and fulfill biblical prophecy. Whoa, mind blown. Why should I pray this? Because you get to have a part in advancing the kingdom program, moving it forward, spreading it over the earth, and fulfilling biblical prophecy. And we won't look these verses up, but in Revelation, as the kingdom comes in Revelation, at least two, no, three different times, there is an angel in heaven who has an incense which is filled with the prayers of the saints. And every time you pray the Lord's Prayer and the kingdom come and you pray in the spirit of the Lord's Prayer, those prayers are collected in this incense that the angel is wafting around in heaven. And then there's going to come the moment, which we don't know, which could come today, where God's going to say, now is the time. The kingdom is coming. And in Revelation, that angel, now I'm making this up, but he takes that censer And he's whipping that puppy around, and now I'm not making this up. He casts it down onto the earth, the prayers of the saints. Are your prayers in that censer? One time, two times? Or are there multiple prayers in the spirit of the Lord's Prayer, particularly your kingdom come, that are being heard, taken note of in heaven, and will be used in some mysterious sovereign way to further his kingdom program so that his kingdom will come. Don't sell it short. And then finally, implication for daily pursuits. Implications for daily pursuits. Put feet to your prayers. Your kingdom come is not just a petition but it's also a dedication. Not just a petition, but also a dedication. Give Dr. Moeller the last word here. For the kingdom of God to come means that all other kingdoms, including our own, must fade into oblivion. What are those pursuits? I wisely cut this message in two. Because I think it's that important. Next week, we're going to look at six proofs that the greatest pursuit in your life is that his kingdom would come. But in the meantime, let's pray. And so on your table, every week, you have this week, my heart cry for his kingdom to come. And I changed the format a little bit. You still have a place to write down what God taught you this morning. 
But on the back, I've got five general requests on how to pray your kingdom come. So my challenge to you is for the next five days until we have class next week that you pray once a day for at least one of these requests. Okay? And you say, well, how do I fill it? You know, I mean, how do I flush it out? Well, you get got a whole set of notes full of verses to pray that. Let's pray that his kingdom come. Father in heaven, we mourn and we grieve. And truly, I am brokenhearted over the reports that are coming out of the war in Europe and of this bloody, brutal, lawless riot over a soccer game. People who don't know you are entering into eternity, many of them never having heard that Christ has come and he's coming again. God, forgive us. We repent of our apathy, hard hearts, that continue to sin when we know that we shouldn't. Disobedience when we know what to do, but we don't do it. Basically, Lord, not submitting to you as our king. And yet your blood shed for that. And we stand righteous in your sight. And so, Lord, we recommit everyone, I pray, in their hearts right now, we would recommit to praying and therefore pursuing your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. For the sake of the kingdom we pray. Amen.